whilst I remember, I had a message from Robin Lacey this morning about some various things, and he asked to be remembered to you. And pray the Lord would bless you in the new year. Let's bow our heads. Father, again, we come to your word and we ask, O oh Lord, for help to understand your word and to apply it to our own hearts and to our own lives. Lord, we need you to speak to us this morning by the scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, for your glory and for our good. Amen. The verse, the text, is taken from the Psalms, but I don't want you to turn there because what I'm going to try and do is give you the text and then explain the text through 1 Samuel chapter 9. You'll understand what I mean in a moment. All right? So I'll just give you the text, and then we'll come back to 1 Samuel chapter 9, which, as I said, is on page 275. So David, in Psalm 31, has this little phrase, you know it well, verse 15, my times are in thy hand. My times are in thy hand. That's going to be the theme of our morning message. My times, his hands. My times, his hands. And if we can take that through 2024, I trust we'll be helped and blessed and encouraged, whatever. Whatever my times in his hand. In his hands are my times, whatever. It's the great biblical truth of providence, the ordering of God of all things. Now, I thought about this. I, I, mean, I could quote lots of verses and passages that speak directly about God's providential order. It could be very theological, it could be very technical. I'm not sure how helpful it would be. Because what we need to do, we need to have big truths, big truths explained to us fairly simply that we might be put them into practice. There's a story told of two dear ladies who heard the pastor preach, and at the end of the service they went out and they were talking about it, and one said to the other, how do you find the pastor? Oh, it was wonderful. It was glorious. It was very deep. What was it about? I have no idea. <laughs> now, we don't want that. We want Bible, biblical truth made plain and clear to us. So we can say, yes, that's what I need to do today, tomorrow, and day after, God willing. Now, I'm going to give you a technical bit to start, all right? So you know where we are and what we do as a church. This is the 1689 Confession of Faith, the Baptist Confession of Faith. We have it here. Gary's mentioned it several times. I'm just going to read from the first paragraph, chapter 5, Divine Providence. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, upholds, directs, disposes, and governs all creatures and things from the greatest to the least, by his most wise and holy providence. 
to the end for which they were created. God governs to fulfill his purposes according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and unchanging counsel of his own will. The praise of his glory, his wisdom, power, justice, boundless goodness and mercy. God is in charge. The Lord Jehovah reigns. And yet, later in the same chapter, and I'm so thankful for this, God in his ordinary providence makes use of means. In other words, God works through us for his glory and ultimately for our good. We're not talking about fatalism this morning. We're not talking about stoicism. We're not saying what will be, will be, que sera, sera. The world out there will say tonight, 2024, well, come what may. It's nothing to do with us. It just works itself out. We do not say that. We say God is in charge. God is sovereign. God reigns. God rules. God's all things. But we are responsible. We are accountable. We must never, ever say, well, I couldn't help it. That was God's will, and that's the end of it. You can help it. You are responsible. You will be held to account for all that happens in 2024. So there's a lovely balance there. So what I'm going to do is look at 1 Samuel chapter 9 and at the providences in the life of Saul, the early life of Saul, and then seek to apply them. There are some things we can't apply, right? We're not in the same geograph geographical area, historical area, and all the rest of it. But there are little things there as we go through and think, ah, yes, now that reminds me of this, and that reminds me of that, and so on. And we will see, we will see, I trust, how God amazingly, gloriously, wonderfully operates all things and works all things for the good of his people. Now, when, before Christmas, uh, I was preaching, uh, I actually <laughs> spoke from 1 Samuel chapter 8. And you think, well, that's a long way from a Christmas message. You know, how can you talk about Samuel uh, and all that's happening and talk about Christmas? And yet the th amazing thing was in the providence of God, I mean, I didn't order these things. It just happened that I was booked to do that, 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 uh, that Sunday. That, uh, we, and we would arrive at chapter 8 on that Sunday as we go through month by month. But what was amazing to me was that in chapter 8, 1 Samuel, uh, there was the search for the king. All right, that was it about. The king, the people wanted a king, a search for the king. And then, of course, it's not a quantum leap to come to Matthew chapter 2 and say, where is the king, born king of the Jews? It just followed on amazingly. And I think, again, that's God's ordering. And it seems to me that God has ordered this in the sense that we would normally be on 1 Samuel chapter 9 looking at the story going through. And yet, as I thought about God's providence, my time's in his hands, I thought... You know, there are things that are just amazing, small things, detailed things that are significant. You will allow, I, I trust, just a little, some references to my friend Howard Lloyd, all right, and how we actually met. I lived in a little village called Pencoid in, near Bridgend, and 11 plus, some of you would 
know what 11 plus is, right? But you, you ask me after, I'll tell you. Right, 11 plus, and if you passed your 11 plus, you went to the grammar school. If you didn't, you went to the secondary modern school. And I passed my 11 plus, amazingly, all right? And in, because Pencoid was in the middle of a little area, some years you went to Bridgend Grammar School, and some years you went to Ogmoville up in the valleys. And the year I passed, it was not the Bridgend, which is probably the better place, to be honest. Um, you didn't go to Bridgend Boys Grammar School. You went to Ogmo Grammar School Mixed, boys and girls, up in the valleys. So that year, when I got through, I went to the grammar school up the valleys. Now, in the valleys, they had teachers from all over the place, and they needed a new maths teacher. And the new maths teacher lived in the Ronda. And he came to that, that school and became my maths teacher right, for a number of years. Now, see what's happened there. Geographically, I've come from a little village. I didn't go that way. I went that way. He didn't go to another school. He went to that school. And there we meet according to the plan and purpose of God. And he was very influential in my spiritual life. All right, so that's the kind of thing that I'm looking at. Right, if you've got one, Samuel, let's look at what we're told. So, chapter 9, there was man of Benjamin. And first thing, he comes from the tribe of Benjamin. That's important for all kinds of reasons. We're not going to go through everything here. We'll be all day. Right? That's important. So he's a Benjamite. Okay? His name is Kish. And he's got a son of, son of, son of. He's got a history, a lineage, and that will be important for various reasons. We're not going to go through them all. Now, if you remember, Gary helpfully on Christmas morning talked about the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew, right? If you are Jewish and somebody said to you, you need to read about Christian things, I don't believe in your Christian things. Yeah, it has nothing to do with me. I don't believe that. But that's yours. You've got your religion. I've got my religion. And he said, well, why don't you read just Matthew's Gospel, just perhaps read just the first couple of chapters. I don't want you a book, nothing to do with me. He said, well, just read. And, oh, mum, 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 right? and he reads the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I told you, I don't read about you a book, you a Jesus. Well, well, just read on. Son of David. Hold on. Which David? Son of Abraham. Which Abraham? Isaac, Jacob. These are my boys. These are my boys. And you go through the list. All these, these are my boys. This is, this is my lot. What's my lot doing in your book? Well, read on. And if you read on, a Jewish person would say, well, this is all about Jewish people. Well, of course it is. The promise was to you that your Messiah would come and he would be of Jewish stock. I think some people, some people in England would be appalled if they thought Jesus was a Jew because they got so ignorant. So you turn to the scriptures. Anyway, and, and they go through and, wow, and look, oh, they're, they're quoting my prophets. He's quoting Isaiah. He's quoting, he's quoting my boys. Well, of course he's quoting your boys because Jesus was one of your boys. So, as Gary rightly pointed out, it's so important for biblical reasons you have a lineage. And I thought, what if somebody said, well, Colin, what about your lineage? What about your history? What about your family? Well, to be honest, not a lot to say. 
and I don't, you wouldn't really want to know. I've been down in Wales, and I visited where my mother was from, um, a place called Bargoid. I mean, you've probably never ever heard of Bargoid. Probably, some of you probably wouldn't even know where Wales was. Don't ask an American, they think it's stuck on the end somewhere. My mother came from Bargoid. Her dad was a miner, as most dads were in Bargoid. I mean, he was a foreman, so he was a bit better class than the ordinary miner, but he was just a miner. Who died when she was quite young. My dad, he was a miner. Because that's what mine, they were, they were mine. So my family were miners. And then my dad, did you know this? Uh, he, he, he was sick, he had TB, he had a, was a bus driver for a little while, but then he didn't work for, uh, for almost all my life. So we were a benefits family. When my mother left, we were a single parent family. Now, it's not the kind of thing you put on your CV, is it? You know, who's this, this colonization, the Reverend Colonization? Who is he? Oh, he must, he must come from a wonderful background. You know, you know. No, I'm just an ordinary little bloke, like most of you. We're just ordinary people, aren't we? But God, in his purposes, brought us into that family. It was an accident that we were born to your mum and dad, whoever they were, whatever they were. This was in the plan and purpose of God. Oh, so someone, I wish I'd been born in, in a nice place, in a proper place. Where are you from? From the dicker. Pardon? Where are you from? From the dicker. Don't be ashamed of the dicker. You say, well, why would I be? I'm proud of coming with the dicker. Well, praise the Lord, you know. Lots of places worse than many. But, you know, so we have a heritage. And it's all according to the providence of God. Where you were, where you were born, what what county, what world, what what what, what uh, country? Now, so this is it's all there in those few verses. Verse two, he had a son. Okay, his name was Saul. Choice young man and goodly or handsome. Now, your height, small, short, right, is determined by certain factors, DNA and all that kind of stuff. But behind that is the providence of God. Never say, I wish I was taller. I wish I was shorter. You cannot add to the sword, save a, a cubit. You can't add an inch to your height. Well, you can put high heels on, but I mean, I don't wear them particularly. But you, you can't do anything about your height. That's the way you were born. And that's God's intention that you should be that height. And your physical makeup. That's God's doing. And this man was a handsome man, all right? God made him handsome. He doesn't make us all handsome because we're all different. Now, you say, Colin, what on earth is this going to do with anything? It's a part of God's plan and purpose because, because he was handsome, because he was tall, he would be picked out as a future king. Rightly or wrongly, it's all in the providence of God. Now, now, all these little things, you think, wow, I never thought about that. We need to think about them for various reasons. Okay, so that's a little bit about Saul, right? His background, his looks, his good looks, and what he is, and he's a tall in chance of Saul. Right, everything's okay so far. Verse 3, and the asses, or donkeys, I'm going to call them donkeys, it's easier, and the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. 
So now, Colin, you've gone from heritage and lineage and all that, nonsense, and you're going to tell us about some lost donkeys. Well, it sounds a wonderful story, but what relevance has it got to anything on a Sunday morning, first Sunday in 2024? Every relevance. Because these donkeys were lost, Saul ends up where he was, meeting Samuel. And it starts with lost donkeys. God in his great sovereign mercy, almightiness, he allows, if you want, I wouldn't say caused, but he allows these donkeys to get lost. How they got lost, I don't know. Were somebody not looking after them properly? Were they just wandered off? I don't know. But these donkeys were lost. This is a bad thing. It's not good. If you've got donkeys, they get lost. If any of you have got donkeys, I don't think you have, but any of you have got donkeys, you don't want them lost. You've got a dog, a cat, you don't want them lost. It's a bad thing. And yet in the providence of God, this is allowed for a bigger, greater purpose. Now, you think about that. You think about serious loss. I'm not talking about donkeys right now. On to serious loss. I go very carefully here. Personal loss. How do you cope with personal loss? With difficulty. I could say lots of things here about personal loss, but you know and I don't need to tell you. But losing somebody hurts. People lose a wife, a husband, child, parent, it can affect them for years and years and years to come. Back to my friend Howard, I've known him for 64 years, I'm preaching to his sons, he two sons, I don't know that they're believers, uh, one has a wife, one single, one's a wife, and a daughter, and the family are there, and I said to them, I'm going to miss you, Dad. I'd known their dad longer than they'd known him. And I felt that I could say that because it was true. I'll never, ever be able to ring him up again and say, how about, it's called, oh, hello, Carl, how are you? All right. How was the work going? Oh, well, well and, and have a little chat as you would do with a, with a father, a spiritual father, a good friend. I nearly lost it. Well, you can imagine me, I'm a bit soft. I said, I miss you, Dad. I thought, now, Colin, you can't start bawling in front of these people and you won't help. And the son said to me afterwards, he said, Colin, he said, I was all right until you started speaking. Now, how do you cope with loss? It's very, very difficult unless you've been through it. And once you've been through it, you're more able to empathize with other people who are going through loss. Now, it's very hard, very hard to deal with loss and then believe that God is sovereign. That God orders all things. And that this loss is part of the plan and purpose of God. And I, I would... Never, I would be very careful how I put this to somebody who 
had lost someone. I go carefully here, and I know who's in present to me, and I know they'll be happy, but they will be okay with this. In our church, we had a couple, their lovely son, went mountaineering, went skiing, went a crevasse, dead, 23. And I was in Wales, I came home, I'd done a phone call, I went to them, I went to the house, and they were there, and they were just weeping. What did I go in? What did I say? Well, we've got to be strong here, right? Because God is sovereign, and this is part of God's plan and purpose, and blah, 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 blah. And give them a theological uh, discussion anyway. Did, did I do that? I just wept with him. I just wept and wept and wept. I hardly said anything that would be of spiritual depth. Just wept. We weep with those that weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. It's very difficult to bring God's sovereignty and loss together. But you need to step back and say, well, Lord, I do not understand what's going on. I can't explain it. I don't feel it. But you're God. My times are in your hands. In your hands are my times. Now, I don't want to prolong this. But you, we need to do this. We need to believe this. And Job is a wonderful example. You know that. Right, let's move on. So here's these donkeys and they lost, okay? Now, next thing is, Hesh says to Saul, all right, go and organize a search party and let him go and find them. No, he says to his son, you go and find them. You take one of the servants, we don't know his name, but thank God that he had a servant and didn't go on his own. You need a mate, whoever you are, whatever you are, male or female, you need a mate, all right, a friend, a good friend. Um, and a good friend is wonderful. All right, so you go and go and look for the donkeys. Saul doesn't say, why should I go with my seniority? I'm one of the family. Let the, 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 the hired hands go. No, no, no. Okay, Dad, I'll go and look for the donkeys. He takes a servant. Don't know his name. He's very important in the story. And off they go. Now, they go through, if you noticed, various places. Ephraim, all right? Um, and they found them not. Okay? Go to another place. They found them not. Okay? Go to another place. But they found them not. So what they're doing, they're seeking to get, look for these donkeys. They're going here, disappointment. They go here, disappointment. They go here, disappointment. They're being obedient to the Father, and they're doing what they've been told to do, and disappointment, 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 closed door, closed door, closed door. And you might think, what's going on here? I'm being obedient. I'm doing what I should do. And it's just getting worse. If you know the story of Jonah, you will know that he was disobedient. He God said, go north. He said, I don't want to go north. I don't like these people in the north. I don't want them to be saved. And off he went to the south. And he goes in this boat. He's got the money. It's there. And off he goes in the ship. And then God says, right, I'm going to sort you out, mate. And he's going to tip him out of the boat eventually. Right? And it causes the storm. He's disobedient. Yeah, you can see it. In New Testament, the disciples, the Lord says, go across the lake. And I'll meet you. And uh, so they're there in the boat, going away. 
Well, that's the seal. <laughs> All right? And uh, a storm comes. Now, is that because they were disobedient? No. They were obedient. They were doing what the Lord asked them to do. And they were doing it to all the best of their ability. And a storm comes. So it's not a result of disobedience as it was in the, in, in, with Jonah. It's, a, it's something that's happened that God has allowed for his own purposes. So what I'm saying is this. When you, when you seek to be obedient to the Lord and there's a closed door and a closed door and a closed door, there's disappointment and disappointment and disappointment. Don't say, well, obviously this is wrong. I'm going to give up and go home. It may be you just have to make one more attempt to do that which is right, to be obedient. And you see, Saul says, well, you know, we're having no success here. All right? Um, let's go home. Let's go home because if we don't go home, my father, and possibly correctly here, my father will stop worrying about his lost donkeys and worry about his lost son. All right? Those of us who are parents, uh, we know when we're expecting a child back, whether, whether she's 6 or 16 or 26, all right? We'd expect them to come at a time, and they're not, and we got concerned. Where have you been? Why didn't you text me? Oh, oh. Anyway, so he's ready to give up. But the servant, thank God for little servants. Thank God for nameless servants. My favorite servant, I'm pressing the pause button here. My favorite servant is a little maid of belonging to Naaman the Syrian. Now, I've mentioned that to the ladies, so they won't want me to repeat it, but I will anyway, right? Because she's a lovely little girl, and she says, oh, that my master would go to, to Israel as a man of God there, and he would, he would sort him out. And off we go. Oh, I don't know her name. She's a little smooth girl. Well, she's insignificant, not in the purposes of God. Oh, hallelujah. Anyway. So the servant says, well, providentially, now he doesn't use the word, I'm using the word, providentially, we're quite close to the city where the man of God is. Samuel is just up the road. And he, he knows things, right? He surely will be able to help. Well, this is good, isn't it? Oh, that's a good suggestion, that. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll go and ask the man of God for help and for instruction, and so on. Ah, there's a problem. What's the problem? Well, in those days, when you went to ask the priest for advice, and so on, you normally give them a couple of shekels, or give them a little gift, a little, an animal, or a sucker, or whatever. You, you just get... I won't say pay him for the privilege, but you'd acknowledge they were the servant of the Lord, and so you'd, you'd, you'd just give him a little gift, like a, like a token thing. It's only ever once happened to me, right? It's very strange. We had a couple in our church, in, 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 um, they were new, new, newcomers, and he was in the, the movie business, and the film business, and he was used to having consultants for this, that, and the other. And he said, we'd like you to come and visit us for some advice, spiritual advice. So I went and did what I did. And he said, oh, here's a check for your, for your trouble. I said, what? He said, well, you know, I, cons I pay for consultancies. I've consulted you, so here's your check. And I think, well, 
you know, well, I had to put it in my pocket, didn't I? Um, but, you know, it's not the kind of thing you expect, a consultancy fee. Now, Saul Samuel wouldn't have expected a consultancy fee, right? But it was a nice thought and a thing it should be done. However, Saul says, well, our pockets are empty. We haven't got anything left. We've, we've eaten and drank what we had, and we've got no money, so we can't go and ask. Ah, says the, says the servant. And I, I just love this, right? Um, I've got the fourth part of a shekel of silver. Now, I don't know how much that was, but it sounds to me like six months, right? <laughs> I've got a quarter of something. He didn't even have the shekel. I had a quarter of something. He's got, he's, I've got, what have I got in my pocket? Here, I've got 20p, and I've got another 20p. That means 40p. And that's all the money I've got on me. Oh. I've got a credit card, but that's not right. No, he's got, he's got six months. I mean, I just smile at this. I mean, Lord, you are so good. You are so gracious. You're just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Provide for this. Uh, another, forgive me these little stories, but they just, it just shows God's goodness. When I was a young Christian, I'd read about George Muller. Most of you heard about George Muller. Here's a man. He's in Bristol. He's got an orphanage. He's got hundreds of kids. And he doesn't ask for money, and the Lord just sends him money and sends him this and that. And one day, uh, they're there, whatever number, 50, 100 kids, and they've got nothing to eat, nothing to eat, nothing in the pantry, nothing in the freezer. And they all sit down, and he says, we're going to give thanks now for our food. And you can imagine the kids saying, what? <laughs> There's nothing here. You've got a plate, a knife and a fork, perhaps? There's nothing here. We give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and wonderful. And he prays. And when he finished praying, that's a knock on the door. That's a good door. And it's the local baker. And the local baker says, Oh, Mr. Muller, um, I, I baked too many loaves today for some reason. And, I'm, and they're going to waste, you know. So uh, could you do something with them? Right then, so he gives them the loaves, and it's just so wonderful. That's a true story, and there's lots of stories like that. Really, now it's wonderful. So I'm reading this, right? I'm 17, I probably 18. I'm 18, got no money. I mean, I'm in school. My dad's on benefits, got no money at all, and I'm going to preach at a ladies' meeting in the next village. So I thought, well, Lord, if you did it for George Muller, you could do it for me. Not loaves, you know, but you know, you know, send me that, give me the money somehow to catch the bus. Near Shilin, up the road. Um, so I, I prayed, uh, and all, half of me said, Hi, Lyshan, you are nothing. How can you pray like George Muller, who's such a great, godly, wonderful man? And God provides him. Who are you? You're nothing. And I'm, well, it's true, but it's the same father. It's the same father. The Heavenly Father provides for George Muller. He can provide for a little, titty, small, useless little servant. So I, I'm going to go in faith. You've got to see this to believe it, right? So I've got my Bible. I know we made this one. I've got my Bible. I'm walking on the street. No money. The bus stop is there. And I'm 10 yards from the bus stop. And as I approach the bus stop, there's a man broken down in his car. 
and he's got a flat tire. Are you all right? Well, I'm trying to struggle you doing this. And I said, can I, can I help you? Yeah, he said, okay, so I help you. And we changed. He said, all right. He said, thank you, my That's fine. He said, here's a shilling for your help. I thought, wow. Thank you, Lord. Oh, got this And of course, they give me some money for doing the thing, so I have money to come back. Isn't God good? And what I want to stress upon you, these little stories, right? These are real Mine are real, but they're more important when they're real in the Bible. This little servant's got sixpence in his pocket, and it's enough to go and see the man of God. And so he goes, and they see the man of God. And strangely enough, this man, he's a traveling preacher, he's a traveling, traveling prophet, and he's all over the place. But that particular day, he was in that particular place for a particular sacrifice and rest. But more importantly, God had sent him to that place because God was going to arrange by his providence that Saul would be also in the same place and they would meet. And then all that would happen about him being anointed king and so on would follow from that. God arranges appointments. God arranges meeting people. God does this in a wonderful, amazing, glorious way. Because he is God. And he can do it. And he will do it. Finally then, how does this work out for us? Where are you going tomorrow? Well, he said, I planned to go. Oh, I'm going to have a day in, or I got an appointment, I got this. You could tell me what you're going to do. You may not make tomorrow. I'm not saying this in a silly, morbid kind of thing, but you may have a nasty cold. Something might happen tonight. You are aching back, and you might not be able to get to where you are going. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. Simple little things. Maybe I'll bring you up. Oh, can you come and do something for me? And you plan to go here, but now you've got to go there, you know. But it's urgent, so you do what, and so on. We need to know that our times are in his hands. Every single day, our times are in his hands. In his hands are our times. And we need to relax a bit more. We're too over-anxious. We worry too much. We worry too much. How foolish we are. Now, I've said this again, but it's, it's a daily blessing to me. I put some birdseed out um, while I'm making breakfast, and I go and have my breakfast. I sit down uh, with a tray and a bowl of cereal or whatever, and I look through the window, the patio doors, and there are the sparrows eating the birdseed. I think, my Heavenly Father provided for them by using me and he's provided for me by using littles or whatever All right. so there I am the God who looks after the sparrows and I am more important than the sparrows according to Jesus every single day Lord thank you now we have to stop being so anxious and stop worrying. It's not to say we shouldn't care. It's not to say we shouldn't get on and do things. All right? But we have to say that overall, God is in charge. God is sovereign. God will do what he wants to do, what he wills to do for his glory, and ultimately for our good. 
No, we have, he uses means. I don't go down to breakfast and say, where's my breakfast? Because there's nobody there to answer me. And a little wise will say, well, it, that's not you because you haven't got it yet. Open the fridge, get the milk out, get the this out, get, the, get a bowl, get a spoon, put the kettle on. Life and get on with it. Because that's your responsibility. So I do. And I say, Lord, thank you. I got the ability to buy it, to cook it, and to eat it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. I don't know what your future is, neither do I know mine. I don't know what the future is for Gordon Road next 12 months if he spares us. But one thing I'm absolutely certain of, my times, our times, are in his hand. And I'm ever so glad. I am ever so glad. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the illustrations of the great providence of God, the way you order things from small, tiny little details. The last six months, you're so good. You're amazing, awesome, wonderful. Father, bring us this morning, each of us, to a place where we say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. My times are in your hand. Lord, I wish them there. Amen. Now, there's only one hymn we can sing, really, isn't there? This verse in mind, and it's 700. <laughs>